0: Hey, well, welcome back to another video. Today's guest, special guest, Will Roundtree, man. Thank you for coming through, man. We really appreciate it. You know, know how busy you are and taking your time, you know? So, really appreciate it, man.
1: Yeah, pleasure's all mine. I'm, I'm excited, man. I mean, yeah. any any podcast that got the name hustling in
0: it, <laughs> I already know it's about to be some heat. Yes, sir. You know, um, well, so we could go ahead and get started, man. Uh, where did your education on credit and wealth start? You know, a lot of times at school, we don't get taught that, so... I was wondering where you actually started to go ahead and develop the education for it.
1: Yeah, no. So, uh, so I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, for anybody who's not familiar with that, typical Midwest city, uh, the winters are brutal, you know. And I grew up just like you know most people from Middle America, from any hood throughout the United States. I want to be like the D boys, the pimps, the hustlers, hey, <laughs> you know, yeah. the athletes, yeah, the entertainers, hey, yeah. and all of that. But I also knew what came along with the street culture. And so I was fortunate enough to actually have a mentor who uh, at the time he was a real estate investor. This was in 2005. And he said, well, eventually credit will become the new dollar. Didn't know what he meant by that. Uh, So I end up moving to Las Vegas in 2005. And I quickly found out what he meant by credit will become the new dollar. I couldn't rent an apartment because my credit was bad. Couldn't buy a car without a cosigner. I remember I was living off anybody's familiar with Las Vegas, Swenson and Flamingo, which is some consider it the hood. (laughs) You know, I lived in a weekly apartment where you pay by the week It's typically more expensive. I slept on a floor that's about as hard as this table. Didn't have any furniture. My my bed was bath towels because I couldn't afford a bed. And so. I remember sleeping on the floor every single night, going to the 99 cent store off of Flamingo and uh, Maryland Parkway and just thinking about, man, I got to change my circumstances. And so that that saying that that meant that my mentor taught me that credit will be eventually become the new dollar. I was like, man, a lot of what I'm going through is a result of me having bad credit. So I really just took it upon myself to learn as much as I can about credit. I didn't go to school for it or anything like that. But what what, what ended up actually happening and often say that if we pay attention to our lives, we'll see that life prepares us for everything that we want. So even before I really got into this space, I actually worked at a law firm that did credit repair. This is before I had any experience. Any experience or any, you know, wantingness of even wanting to get into this space. I worked at a collection agency for like two weeks. So I got to see the back end side of the laws and how they actually protect us. And so a lot of the things that I was fortunate enough to be involved with also taught me along my journey. But once I started to see that credit was something that I needed to learn because we were not taught this at school, our parents didn't understand credit. um, I started to see that that was the barometer for all of the things that I wanted to change in my life, but were not changing. Think about how many people right now. Are looking for somewhere to live, but they can't afford the deposit for the down payment. Three some places want three times the deposit. Yeah. Some people can't draw can't get the vehicle of their choice because they don't have a twenty to thirty percent down payment on a vehicle, a, a depreciating asset. And most of the time, the money that you put down towards the vehicle doesn't even go towards the vehicle. So, but going back to answering your question, uh, I, I really just learned about credit through life. Personal experiences and me wanting to change my my circumstances, because they say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. I needed to change my results. So I, I, I did what I could to learn about credit.
0: That's crazy, man. You know, that's inspiring, by the way. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that story with us, you know. And it just goes ahead and shows that repetition and having that hunger. You can go ahead and be able to achieve whatever you like, but you got to go get it. Definitely. And touching up a little bit on education, you know, it kind of like mind-blowns me that a lot of these schools don't teach none of this stuff. Uh, Coming into the early ages of the teen uh, years or whatever the case is into your adulthood life, you don't understand credit, you don't understand wealth. Like, it, it just blows my mind. So what, what do you have, like, what do you think about the education that's out there now for these circumstances?
1: Well, the first thing is I think the educational system doesn't teach us to think. They uh, teach us to just be, you know, workers, they teach us to follow in a system that's conducive to what their end goal is, and that's to be able to create people for their their level of productivity. Think about it. No one will work the railroads. No one would work at the coffee shops. No one will work at the for the city and the sanitation workers. So that's school wasn't designed when they changed the whole educational curriculum. It wasn't designed to teach us things that were going to be beneficial for our Actual existence or even understanding anything about wealth. I mean, how is it that the most important thing in our life and that's paying taxes? They don't teach that in school.
0: Crazy huh? because
1: they don't. That's not their goal. That's not their end goal for us to be productive in understanding finances. You can take a finance class and don't even learn this stuff. You know what I'm saying? You go to business school, but you learn how to go run somebody else's business. And so school isn't designed to teach us those things. That's why, you know, there's a quote that says, I never let schooling get in the way of my education. So, yes, you have formal school. But unfortunately, most people statistically, by the time they graduate school, whether it's high school or they graduate and get a master's or Ph.D., less, less than, you know, 20% of people ever pick up a book and learn something outside of what they're specialized in. So to understand credit and why they don't teach it, because it's a system that wasn't designed for us to really be able to learn. It was a system that was designed for them to be able to get the upper hand on us. You know, think about it when the, the, the more, the, we, the less we know about how money and credit works, the more banks make, they can charge us an interest they can mm. you know finesse us in, in 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 the payday loan you know racketeering they i mean so all of these different things that we haven't been educated on is because it's a system that is going to benefit the the powers that be so why would they want us to learn about these things they don't they make it like a puzzle huh they, they make it harder Absolutely. so it's absolutely. it's crazy
0: how they they can go ahead and finesse a system like that you know um, and I feel like that what conditions a lot of people to not know about investing. So instead they go ahead and buy the Gucci, the Fendi, the Louis. And how do you feel of people that haven't learned about investing and haven't been able to go ahead and gra- grasp on the part of investing out there?
1: Yeah, so I can remember when I was in, um, this was around 2003 and I had joined a network marketing organization and the thing that enticed me was the lifestyle. Damn, the the the, the, the Gucci wasn't as popular back in two thousand and three, but the cars, the houses, the vacation, the money, the tailored suits, and so it's it's fine that we are enamored by the lifestyle, but the unfortunate part is is that we don't understand that most of the successful people who have those things they don't pay for that. They have assets that pay for that stuff. The, so the, the, the lifestyle, the Gucci, the clothes, the cars, those are the distractions to keep poor people poor. Damn. You know, why do you think Gucci doesn't advertise? Why do you think like all of these companies and conglomerates, they don't advertise to wealthy people. They appeal to poor people, but understanding that Wealthy people have learned the cheat code in life, as I like to call it, is by creating assets and you create assets by learning how to invest. But I often say too, Isaac that investing is really fifth grade math. It's just that we've been conditioned that dissecting a frog is more important than understanding decimals because fifth grade math is really multiplication, addition, subtraction, division, fractions, you know, decimals, commas. And when you understand, OK, I have uh, this investment and it's going to cost me one hundred thousand dollars. I have to invest invest X amount of dollars. Now, we assume we have to come up with the entire hundred thousand. No, you don't have to. So I can actually go in and borrow the money to invest in this asset. That's going to make me money to not only pay the debt from the credit I use to invest in that but then also give me a return on investment and then I'll take the, then this investment is going to appreciate in value which means over time it's going to be worth even more money but because we want to have the Gucci now as opposed to waiting till the appreciation of his, of this investment in 2 to 3 years that the uh, the investment can buy all the Gucci and the Louis and the Prada you wanted to buy but we've been conditioned with the distractions of looking rich as opposed to actually building riches. So that's why investing is not sexy enough to people. It it takes too long. Investing is too many numbers. It's too complicated. We don't understand the basics of, you know, uh, for every dollar you wanted to make at least two dollars. But because we've went to school and they've told us to go to school, get good grades to get a good job, we don't even understand the concept of trading time for dollars will never put you ahead. I mean, who says that I'm worth $10 an hour? Yeah. Why can't I be, you know, who says that six uh, six figures or 100,000 a year is the barometer? Why not six figures a month? But we haven't even been put in a, in a system to teach us to think outside of what they've conditioned us to do. And this is why going back to the educational system is they don't teach us how to think. They want us to be. You know, yeah, they want systematic us to, or yeah. fall in line in the system that they've created that's conducive so that they can make the money.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I feel like uh touching up on how we've been conditioned to do a lot of that stuff, we gotta go ahead and break that puzzle, you know, and make it out of rhythm so we can go ahead and eventually achieve the end goal and not with the distractions, you know. Absolutely. And we just have to stay disciplined to look forward at the end goal. Uh, could you touch up a little bit on creative, uh uh, investing and uh, like as far as a little bit of the creative financing. Oh, world. Yeah.
1: yeah, man, that's that's one of my favorite things. So I can remember listening to a video with uh, Robert Kiyosaki. For those who don't know, he's the author of the, the series Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And he often talked about he often talked about the four quadrants. You have the employee, the self-employed business and an investor. And so most people they stop at self employed or business owner and my goal was to get far beyond that and make it to the investor quadrant because that's where the benefits are truly at and that's where you create the true wealth now i can remember growing up that i always knew it was something that wealthy people knew that we didn't know and it was and, and it was it was information But here's the even bigger component of that is that the information has always been out there. Mm. But we have to be hungry enough to go out there and get it. We have to be motivated enough to go out there and get it. And people often say, uh, you know, I don't I'm not motivated. Well, people are not motivated because they don't have a motive. See, I had a motive because I was tired of sleeping on the floor every single day i mean i was tired of eating top ramen and captain Crunch <laughs> for breakfast and yeah. dinner i was tired of hiding my car from the repo man i mean think about it. I'm, I'm in the prime of my life at 26 years old and i couldn't date because i didn't want to bring nobody by and they see i'm sleeping on bath towels <laughs> so that will motivate you to want to go out there and go find this information and so i started really adopting concepts That I learned from the Robert Kiyosaki's and the uh, Rob Johnson's and all of the other great investors that I followed and just reading their books and uh, going online and listening to their stories. And so understanding that why investing is hard for people because they assume that they have to save the money. So think about it like this. Let's say you have an investment going back to that scenario. That's one hundred thousand. Now, a person assumed that they have to save $100,000. So let me ask you a question. What's the likelihood of someone being able to save $100,000? Slim to
0: none. Slim
1: to none. Most yeah. people never save that in their lifetime. Yeah. If the average household income is, let's say, $60,000, after you add expenses and inflation, I mean, they say 55% of minority families don't even have $500 in savings. So the likelihood of being able to save one hundred thousand is impossible. So one of the things that wealthy people have always talked about and Robert Kiyosaki also talked about, this is OPM, an acronym that stands for other people's money. When you learn how to use other people's money, you will always be able to create opportunities. And so creative financing is really just a strategy of using other people's money. Here's how that works. I have great credit. I set up a business, an LLC, a corporation, whatever the case may be. I can go to as many banks as I want, and I can go and borrow the hundred thousand dollars. Now, here's the vast difference in me borrowing the hundred thousand versus, let's say, you have someone who's fortunate enough to save the hundred thousand. So, when you have a hundred thousand that you've saved from your paycheck, what is one thing that you're going to have to do?
0: Yeah you're going to have to go ahead and take out the money that you have in debt pretty much like you owe Well, to-
1: remember, they saved it from their paycheck. I'll yeah. tell you the answer. They got to pay taxes. Damn, damn. So you're still going to always be in the hole because once you get to that amount of money you're trying to save, now you're taxed at a higher bracket versus I can go to as many banks as I want and borrow as much money as I want. And guess how much I pay in taxes? Zero. Zero. So when we talk about wealthy people not paying taxes, we can't get mad at them. We just got to learn how to play their game. Yeah. And so but because we've been conditioned to be scared of, I'm gonna call it debt because we've only been conditioned to understand or not. Let me use not not, not use the word condition. We've only been educated to look at debt from a consumer standpoint. When most people get a line of credit, they go in shop, they want to take vacations, they go buy clothes, they go out to dinner. Like, I mean, I've never seen so many pictures of people posting crab legs during the <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> you know, people yeah. are blowing their money yeah. versus I can go get a line of credit and go invest in this, in this asset that's a house, a business or whatever the case may be. Not only do I pay taxes on this money, but I can go and borrow against this money as many times as I want. Secondly, I bought this investment. So let's let's just say this was an, a, a real estate property okay yeah. so I paid a hundred thousand that I used from the credit that I got from the bank because I have great credit and I have a business. This house is going to make me money every single month. But then what also happens, Isaac, is that the house is going to do what's called appreciate and value, which means it's going to be worth more money over time. As long as I purchase the house the right way, some people overspend because they're trying to buy a pretty house as opposed to buying a cash, uh, A a cash flow producing property. And so then here's the here's the secret sauce of secret sauce of understanding the power of creative financing. So I take this line of credit. Buy the property. The property makes me money. Eventually, this property appreciates in value. I now can do what's called a refinance, which means I can pull the equity that this property has gained, pay off this line of credit. I still own this property. And how long do I own this property?
0: How long? How much longer you own the property?
1: Yes. How long can I own it? Forever. Forever. Yeah. So that means how, how long will this property make me money? Forever. Forever. So how many times can I do that?
0: Forever. As
1: many times as I want, because guess yeah. what I do? I just go to a bank and go get some more money. That's the power of creative finance. It's the cheat code. It's the cheat code.
0: That's crazy.
1: And so we can do this even with businesses. So imagine I found a business that's doing a quarter of a million dollars a year in revenue. That doesn't mean that's how much you're going to sell me the business for. And even if that was the case, I would go get a line of credit, by the business, and now I purchased cash flow the business is already making money passive income passive income i call it sleep sitting on the beach drinking out of a coconut because <laughs> it whether i'm in tulum or brazil or australia or the dr i'm making money every single month hell yeah and guess how much all of those investments cost me out of my personal pocket
0: zero dollars. nothing
1: because i got the money from the bank so that's a, what we call creative financing because I creatively came up with the money it took to invest or make that purchase. When people understand that basic concept, I'm telling you you can always make money. And so I even have this slogan called credit and assets. It's one of my brands. As long as I have great credit, I can always go and purchase assets. And my goal is to accumulate and amass assets to where that's what generational wealth is. If you ask the average person what generational wealth is, they're going to give you some breakdown that doesn't even make sense.
0: Their kids' kids, huh? But
1: they don't even know what that means. Here's why. Because their great-grandparents didn't leave them nothing. Mm -hmm. But to break down in layman's terms what is generational wealth, money that can last forever. As long as you own businesses, uh, real estate, things that always appreciate and make you money, how long can you own them? Forever. forever that's generational wealth and i did all of that using creative financing which is really just debt i leverage debt to create assets
0: i really want to thank you and i want to thank you because that's something that i've never learned you know and it mind me that you basically broke down a cheat code right in front of me you know and it motivates me to go ahead and be able to take that step to go ahead and go ahead and get that line of credit or whatever the case is because a lot of times we're quick to go ahead and like you said in one of your videos go purchase all of this fancy stuff, but scared to go ahead and start uh, <laughs> your own business. So go ahead and start. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah. one of my favorite videos, by the way. I know, appreciate the, that. No, the, it's
1: true, man. I know people who will go into debt to buy a car versus to go into debt to start a business. It's crazy. You know what I'm saying?
0: That's crazy. You know, so, it's, yeah. it's part of that first uh, step and taking that risk, you know, hundred you, you took it. So man, I mean, it's, it's inspiring for Thank sure, you, man. man. Thank you. Um, my my next question is, how do you go ahead and dodge a 925? I hear this question all over the part <laughs> of the world, you know. Right. Uh, people always trying to go ahead and think of ideas, but don't follow through, you know. How do you actually dodge a 925?
1: So, I often like to tell people, I can remember when I graduated high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm. And I was a, a semi A-B student. And I didn't want to go to college. College was school was boring to me. It didn't challenge me. I thought about joining the military like you name it. I, I was like, let me try this. So uh, I took about a semester off. I eventually went to technical school, started to learn about computers because this was around the time when like computers was about to be the new wave. So I started studying like computer programming. And I remember being in my economics class and finding out that this route that they told us was the american dream wasn't going to help me make a lot of money because i knew at a young age i wanted to make a lot of money and so i eventually dropped out of college so dropped out of college i started working for a a company was there and i thought i was going to retire there ultimately didn't retire there because the company went out of business now why am i sharing this story i'm sharing this story because that's most people's life You know, you don't know what you want to do out of college. Most people go into a field that their parents told them, hey, you you should be an engineer. You should be a doctor. We chase careers where we think we're going to make a lot of money. But a lot of people, unfortunately, don't even understand that most of the careers we go into won't even cover and service the debt on the student loans that it took for us to get that career. That's crazy. (laughs) It's real crazy. And so understanding it as I started to learn all of those things. You know, I bumped into I stumbled into entrepreneurship, I often say. But one of the many lessons that I've learned in entrepreneurship and as you mentioned, people wanting to get away from their nine to five. I'm actually one that has a different mindset. I think you should keep your nine to five as long as you can. Mm. And here's why. For one, most people start a business and the reason they can't make it statistically nine out of 10 businesses fail is because. They don't have the money to sustain the longevity to go through the failures to see what works and doesn't work in business. Like if you are think about it like this, imagine if you went to the hospital and your doctor was fresh out of high school and he was like, "Okay, I know you need open heart surgery, Isaac. This is my first day. (laughs) I didn't go to school for this. But I'm going to try to operate on you. How comfortable would you feel? I'd be scared. That's how most people run their businesses. Wow. Think about it. What experience do they have? Zero. Zero. So they're trying to go into something they have no concept of. They just they just know, hey, I can bake really good cakes. So let me open a restaurant. They know nothing about accounting. They know nothing about taxes, hiring, firing, HR, compliance, uh, uh, inventory like they have no experience in all of that. But see, here's what a job affords you when you look at it as like a paid internship. When I was working my nine to five, as I was looking on my exit strategy and I call it a strategy because I did it. You know, I was very calculated when I left corporate America. First of all, I looked at the interworkings of a business and saw what worked and what didn't work. Secondly, the money I was making on my job helped me to finance my business. See, a lot of people go into entrepreneurship, quit their job. Then they can't even afford a five hundred (laughs) dollar website because they have no income coming in, you know, and often tell people before you leave your job, go get a customer first. Like, why would I go and start a business and quit my job and I have nobody that I know that's going to pay me because you're going to run out of friends and family members that are going to support your business if they even support your business. And so we have to understand that a lot of times that job is and I don't I'm not going to use the word safety net, but it's that paid internship and often tell people you really shouldn't quit your job until your your passive income exceeds your expenses by two to three times. And here's the other thing. You even though you may want to start a business, there's other investments you can make to help you to expedite getting that passive income. I can invest in real estate. I can invest in other businesses. And so because once you know the odds, statistically, nine out of 10 businesses fail. So why would I go? uh, Why would I go against the odds that have never been defied as long as that statistic has been available? Why not put myself in the best position to 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 exceed those odds by making sure that i'm not quitting a job that is financing my business and my household so these are all of the reasons why a lot of people fail in business so i'm never one to tell people to quit their job or that a job is this and that and a nine to five is whack no use your job to fund your business and then As you start learning how to leverage credit and creative financing, then you can get lines of credit to to build your, your marketing team, to get your supplies, your inventory and then get customers. And then once you get some customers, then you can start to revisit. Okay, I've been doing this long enough now. I'm in position. My business is stable I'm making money now. Maybe it's time. Maybe I start to cut my hours. Like I'll even tell you my story. I think the statute of limitations are up. I yeah. took a leave of absence before I quit. Damn. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I had to make sure this worked. So I took a leave of absence and I'm like, OK, I've sustained to be able to make enough money X amount of time. So. So, yeah. So a lot of times people just don't have a plan because who, who's teaching them about business? Nobody. Nobody. So we have to understand that information is so important, not just the free YouTube video. Sometimes you may have to pay for that information because the information you get for free, it is what it is. It's free. But if I want to be a special, if I want to get specialized information, excuse me, on the strategy on how to 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 grow as a business owner or entrepreneur yeah it may cost me some money i may need my money i'm making from my job to yeah. invest to get that information i may i need to have my job so i can s- show income so i can get a line of credit yeah so it's so many different benefits but most people just we just jump out the window because it looks cool look i wrote a book called full-time ceo the shit they don't tell you because they don't tell you that entrepreneurship is not easy it's not. It's like it's lonely. You're going to lose money. You're going to lose friends. You may lose a relationship. Your, your your husband may leave you. Your wife may leave you. Your kids may hate you like your family member going to think you a, a scam artist because you're going on this journey that nobody else is willing to go on. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. before you fully jump out the window, man, keep that job as long as you can to, to help to sustain you is what I often tell people.
0: Damn, man, you couldn't put that in better words, man. So
1: y'all heard it here. (laughs) Do not dodge your nine (laughs) to
0: five. Keep that for show. You know, that's going to be your primary source. And uh, like going back into the knowledge, you know, going ahead and paying for that information and paying for that knowledge. Knowledge is valuable, right? So it's important to be able to go ahead and get a hand on that knowledge. So I do really think that people should be investing into going ahead
1: and getting that knowledge. Well, Um, let me correct you the knowledge and information is powerful when applied Mm. because most people don't apply it. Like I know people who will say when it comes to weight loss, they can tell you every single, every single strategy to lose weight, but they don't apply it themselves. So it's a lot of people who can tell you all of the wealth concepts. Like I had a, a teacher who was teaching economics, but he had no money. He wasn't even applying the things he was teaching. So, yeah, the information is valuable. But then here's the other thing, too. Applying it. Not only applying it. What is the most expensive thing on this planet? Time. Information. When we understand that, that because it's valuable. When you get the right information. Yeah. <laughs> Let me put that to a claim. There's a lot of bad information on the internet. Yeah, for but sure. But when you get the right information, yo, that shit will change your life. Like, this credit changed my life. I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I grew up on 47th and Hampton. I was told by the time I was 21, I'd be dead or in jail. And I moved to Las Vegas. I borrowed $500. I remember moving to Las Vegas on a one-way ticket I had a garbage bag with my clothes in it. I remember putting my putting the garbage bag up in the where the luggage go, a a black garbage bag. People thought I was crazy. I moved to Las Vegas, chasing my dreams, failed multiple times, became homeless, lost everything several times. But because I was motivated. Because I had a motive enough to go and get the information, invest in information. I was willing to fail my way to success. Information changed my life, but I was willing to apply it by any means necessary. And I didn't let anybody or anything stop me from getting to my common goal. There was no party that was interesting enough for me to want to go to to derail me from my dreams. There was no uh, date that I that 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 somebody could entice me to come on that was more important than my goals and dreams. There was no TV show. There was no vacation. None of those things mattered because I knew what my end goal was. Because the information told me, if you focus on doing and executing these things x amount of times, it's impossible to become to not become successful. But most people aren't willing to make that level of sacrifice.
0: You gotta go ahead and be disciplined. It's, and- it's
1: all discipline. And, it's uh, all discipline.
0: That's inspiration, man. I like do. seriously, I I really can't explain how much inspiring and motivation you have given me today. Like I really appreciate it. There's a big hot topic out here. You already know on <clears throat> the economy and how we already entered a recession. And uh, how how what's your predicament with how this is going or how this is gonna go ahead and be
1: going? You want you my honest opinion? Yes, sir. Man, I'm waiting for the for the recession. I'm waiting (laughs) for the crash because here's the thing. So I remember in 2005, uh, excuse me, 2007 during that, that, that reset. That's really what it is. It's called a reset. There were times I remember being at work on my computer. And Ford stock, the stock for the company Ford was at like 57 cents a share and I didn't buy it. But what that told me Isaac was that during the reset is when things go on sale and it gives everybody an opportunity to play and become wealthy. See, here's the thing. When it comes to investing in anything, the goal is to buy low and sell high. But because we don't have the right information or we don't have the enough information or we don't put ourselves in position to get position to have the right information, we try to buy high to try to sell for higher. And then that's what happens when the economy resets. We get caught and jammed up because we've bought everything at the top of the market. So think about even with the housing bubble, if I could buy a house for forty thousand or one hundred thousand and it appreciates to two hundred, why would not I buy it? But what happens is, is we want to buy it at 200 and hope it goes to five. But by the time we get it at 200, now the economy is resetting. So now we're caught at the top of the market. So then we lose everything. So so most wealthy people or most people who understand the concept of how money works, how the uh, economy works, how the, the great reset works, we're waiting for things to go on sale. So when you look at it from going back to understanding the cash flow quadrant, when you're in the investor part of the quadrant, we're looking for everything to go on sale. When do things go on sale in the middle of a a recession recession? And so you prepare up into that point. So think about it like this. We knew that this recession was looming in pretty much in 2021. Mm -hmm. The signs were there. People have been talking about it. But here's what happened. There were so many distractions that people didn't prepare themselves. So during that time frame, I was telling all my mentees, all my clients get access to as much money as possible. Creative financing as possible. So because now you're in a position, you have over one hundred thousand or two hundred thousand. I have clients who have a half a million dollars in credit. So now imagine being able to buy businesses and assets and homes and cars and all of these things that they can use to make money at pennies on a dollar. So now I can go buy that half a million dollar house at 30 cents on a dollar. Most of my real estate investment properties I buy at 40 cents on a dollar. So now as they continue to appreciate, I'm still making money because people got to live somewhere and understanding and also break this down, too. And I'm not sure how old or uh, how old you are, Isaac. But most people that are in their late 30s to early 40s—so I'm dating myself—we've <laughs> <laughs> been through two recessions: the recession of 07 and the recession taking place now. And we've been through one global pandemic. How many times have rents went down in the real estate market?
0: Instead, they keep going up. They keep
1: going up. Yeah. So why wouldn't we be? position to be able to capitalize to invest and own something that's going to always make us money no matter what happens to the economy yeah you damn right i'm waiting for the recession (laughs) but i'm not saying it from a, a place of being a capitalist and wanting to see people uh um in bad situations but what i'm saying is is that from a investor standpoint this is where wealth is created but this is also why I do my best to put out as much information and content and teaching people how to get prepared, because I'll be also honest. I've been saying this for the past six years. Yeah, I have an acronym that stands for that's 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 PPP. And it doesn't stand for the paytech Paycheck Protection Program. PPP stands for you want to be in position to have the power to purchase. I've been telling people for the past six years to get in position because when the economy resets itself and it does every 10 to 15 years, you want to be in position to be able to get as much as you can on sale because I never want to be in a position where I could have got Ford stock for 57 cents at now where it's probably 19, 20, 30 dollars a share. I never want to be I never want to be in that position again to miss out on the opportunity cuz think about it you don't have to be rich to buy something at 57 cents you just got have a little bit of money and I could pull that money from my lines of credit Ford is not going anywhere I don't care if it got down to a negative cents Ford was not shutting down there was a lot of stocks I remember it was another opportunity XM satellite I had an opportunity to purchase that at like 30 some cents a share went up to like seven dollars i don't know where it's at now so like we have to start understanding these trends and as i say concepts but we're so distracted because we want to look rich yeah as opposed to doing the concepts it takes to actually become rich so yeah so the recession most investors are understanding that this is a time for them to to add a zero to their net worth or for some there are people who who have regular nine to fives who will be able to walk away from their nine to five because they're going to be able to take advantage of the opportunity of the reset. So
0: instead of buying the Gucci, the Louie, be stacking that money because when the time comes around, you'll be able to go ahead and catch things on sale.
1: Absolutely. I often tell people because let me not pretend like I'm just some like uh thrifty individual i like nice stuff no definitely i like jewelry i like gucci product like you know whatever the whatever's the latest and greatest but guess what my assets pay for my lifestyle so when i want to go buy a watch i go buy a house because the rents from the house is going to pay for the watch when i want to buy a car i can i'm in a position now i can buy a vehicle but that's because i can rent it out So now I can drive a vehicle that most would consider their dream car for free because the people who rent the vehicle pay for the vehicle and people like, you don't care about them driving and tearing it up. No, it's a car. I buy another one.
0: Damn.
1: (laughs) You see what I'm saying? So once we understand and adopt that mindset, yes, forego trying to look fly and getting dripped up or whatever the latest terms is for the next five years, And focus on these concepts, I promise you, you'll be able to buy whatever you want. Future. And somebody else will pay for that. Your investments will pay for that. Your cash flow will pay for that. Your businesses will pay for that. Man, that's crazy, you know, like.
0: Like I said, this is stuff that I never learned. And, like, I really appreciate you being able to spread all of this word, you know, because this is things that people need to go ahead and focus and be able to learn in the future. My next question is, how has social media been able to help
1: you in your career? Man. So, I can remember (laughs) in 2000 and uh, back during when MySpace was out. Like, I was not a social media person. And I can remember when I was first told about Instagram, I was a, I was a late bloomer when it comes to Instagram and all of that stuff. And I was pretty much like everybody else. Oh, I don't want to be on social media. I don't want people knowing my business and it's negative and coming up with all of these excuses. But then here's what I started to learn. Social media is only negative when you allow negative energy to be on your page. Mm. Why are you following negative shit? That's why your page is negative. People know your business on social media because you tell them your business. (laughs) And so I tell people social media is a tool. It can hurt you or it can help you. Fire is a tool. Fire can kill you or it can help you. Water can kill you or it can help you. That's the exact same way how I've looked at social media. I use it as a benefit. I don't use it to go on there. People even say, oh, I use it to keep in touch with my friends. Look, most if, if they're really my friend, they got my number. Yeah. We have email. <laughs> hey. So I don't want to to induce myself to be on a platform to to subconsciously getting images of things that are not conducive to what my end goal is. And this is why people have such a negative connotation with social media. It's not social media. It's them and what they choose to consume. So social media has done wonders for my business, because imagine having a platform that can put you in front of millions of people for free. And even if you pay for it, it's pennies on a dollar and I can use a line of credit to be able to pay for the marketing on social media. So look at it like this. Imagine if it costs you thousand dollars a month to market yourself on social media, but your average program or your average sale is let's say $300. Now, all you have to do is sell three of them, 3.5 to be able to pay that thousand dollars off. So imagine if paying that thousand dollars put you in front of 10,000 people and you sold 10 percent of that. Yeah. You made your money back. Plus, you got a profit. Why would you why would you not want to be on social media? You just have to learn. And I use that word very sternly. You have to learn how to use it. You have to be able to curate content. You have to be able to provide uh, uh, solutions for people. But most people, they use it for things that really don't benefit them. That's why they look at it as a negative thing or they follow, you know, a bunch of people. Like I tell people, I don't follow celebrities unless they're my client or they provide information or value. I don't care what so-and-so is doing because they already got they've created their legacy already. I'm trying to create mine. I don't care that they went and got a smoothie. (laughs) you know what i'm saying so social media is really just a tool and as we and as i often tell people a tool can hurt you or it can kill you a hammer can kill you and it can help you social media is the same way and once we really understand it's not social media that's negative it's what we choose to consume through social media but it it, is social media has changed my life and it's, it's helped not only me, but indirectly a lot of people, because I've been able to share my information to so many people that has been able to help and change their lives.
0: I have seen that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's crazy. You know, being, uh, able to be on, going on your YouTube page and learning a lot of things or your Instagram page, it's like social media is, uh, it's, it's marketing, you know, and 100%. it's for free. Yeah. And, uh, that's, that's basically what people need to go ahead and understand is how to market yourself on social media, right? How to go ahead and use it to your advantages, but not to negativities, right? Um, I do know you have your own podcast. Yes. How's, how's that going, man? How's how's everything <laughs> been going with that? Yeah,
1: so uh, my podcast, Full Time CEO, The Shit They Don't Tell You, which essentially is just a platform for me to be able to interview people who... Are entrepreneurs, businessmen, businesswomen, moguls, legends, people that are athletes, entertainers, up and coming businesses, and it's really a platform that I use for people to share their story. Because here's the thing, uh, you know, I've had, you know, four-time NBA champions on my podcast. I've had people who've managed. I had, uh, you know, a gentleman by the name of uh, uh, Angelo Ellerby who 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 he was the PR for Michael Jackson. I mean, we talking about one of the greatest of all time. But here's the thing. We see people that we hold in these high regards and that has hit these positions and made the amount of money. And we think life was easy for them. It's usually just as hard. You know, when Notorious B.I.G. said more money, more problems, that, that that's a true statement. We just assume that money fixes everything and it doesn't. And so my podcast is really just a platform for them to share their journey and let people know that. Look, it's not easy. It may look like it is. Look, let me tell you about the amount of times that I failed. Let me tell you about the sleepless nights I've had. Let me tell you how I've had to mortgage my house three times to be able to to, to chase my dream. Let me tell you how I've lost a marriage. Let me tell you how, you know, all of these different stories or, or experiences that I talk that I often say that it took for them to get to that apex that we look at as success. But then once they get there, they're not satisfied. They want more. They want more. And it's not from a standpoint of being greedy. It's more continually building their legacy. Yeah. Keeps you motivated, right? Absolutely. Because they have a motive. When you have a motive, you'll always be motivated. No matter how you feel, what the weather is, uh, you know, what the condition of your – like, I know people who will not do nothing because a sports team lost. Mm, that's crazy (laughs) you know what I'm saying that That just means you have no motive your motive is that your sports team won like and I used to you know just a little off topic when people come to me be like yeah my team won I'm like oh what position did you play (laughs) (laughs) they usually get mad but but it's real like we put more we're more vested in things that we're not even connected to yeah I know people who can tell you every single stat by LeBron but can't tell you how to read a credit report. Damn. I know people who can tell you every single song and every single album and what year it came out and the day the album came out by their favorite rap artist, but don't. But can't tell you what APR stands for. Damn. They don't know how to balance a checkbook.
0: That's that's long. <laughs> so we right have there.
1: to understand, like we, my, you're, you should be more invested into your, like, into your future. Into your goal and to building your children. Like your children are gonna know who LeBron is more than they know who their great grandparents are. That's we gotta change that. Oh, and yeah. so I, I told myself, I'm not I I I wanna that's how you leave a legacy. The reason we know Martin Luther King Jr.'s name because he left a legacy. Yeah. His children can make money off of his name. Hell oh, yeah. The reason we know, the reason Paris Hilton know who her great-great-grandparents are, because the Hilton family built a legacy. J.W. Marriott built a legacy. I want to build a legacy so my great-great-grandchildren know who Will Roundtree is. And that's my focus.
0: Hell yeah, man. Damn, man. Well, I really don't know how to thank you enough because today has just been... You teaching me things that I've never learned, and Absolutely. I know that my people out there watching today will be going ahead and learning a lot from this. And I really want to thank you for that. And before we wrap this up, man, I really want to go ahead and talk about the merch that you brought me oh, through. yeah, yeah. full time CEO and Credit is King. I really want to appreciate it. Thank if you don't mind touching up a little on the book, man.
1: Yeah, man. So the book Credit is King is is and it's interesting because like I remember when I first wrote to, wrote the book. I have a girl, great friend who actually uh, owns the publishing company, Jackson Publishing. He reached out to me in like 2015. He was like, well, you should write a book. And this, and of course, I was on my entrepreneurial journey and all of that. I was like, man, what am I going to write a book about? He was like, you should write it about what you know. It should be about credit. And I was like, man, there's a million credit books out there. He was like, write it from your perspective. And so I, it was a couple things that I was very um, like explicit of what I wanted to accomplish with this book. One, I didn't want it to be like a. I wanted to, to read more like a manual, meaning like you can have an issue in understanding or wanting to learn something about credit. And you can go to the the uh, glossary and go right to the problem that you want to fix or something you want to learn Two, I wrote the book so that an eighth grader could understand it. And the reason I did that is because statistically, most people, no matter what level of education they have, comprehend on the eighth grade level. Their attention span is that is 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 about seven to fifteen seconds. And most people, when it comes to finances, if they get to a word they don't understand, they're going to stop going through it. Most people get intimidated by words, and so I wanted to write it to to and make it very. And I didn't want to you know make a a a a. 3,000 page book yeah. <laughs> because that, that you know, when I first saw the book Atlas Shrug, and it was like 1,900 pages, I'm like, I'm not reading that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So if I think like that, I know other people do. So I was very uh, strategic in, the, in in how I wrote the book. The book is actually, I literally had no expectation of the book. I think the book is probably at almost 100,000 copies uh, that I've sold worldwide. I can honestly say worldwide now. Because I've sold books, you know, just about in most uh, other countries throughout Congrats, the world. Man. Thank you, man. And so and, and and here's the thing. The book is trademarked, is copywritten. The brand of the name credit is king is copywritten. And so why was that important? That's now what's called my intellectual property. This is now an asset that my my future grandchildren will be able to eat off of the rest of their lives, because if somebody even ever uses the word credit is king, go out there and sell it for a profit. They have to pay me. Yeah. And so. So, yeah. So it's for me, it was bigger than the book. It was creating something that now pays me a royalty every single month, whether I do anything or not. And so that's the other thing that I really focus on trying to show a lot of my mentees and students and clients is that everything I do, I I really make sure that it's I create an asset out of it. So even my brand full time CEO, I I own the trademark to that. You know, all all, my company name, I own the trademark. Why is that important? Because I never go into anything that I'm attaching my name to Isaac thinking it's not going to be successful. So I don't care if I start a new business tomorrow or a new clothing line or a new brand and call it, you know, whatever, uh, uh, credit our us. I'm going to trademark that because we don't know how popular that's going to be. And somebody may want to buy the rights to it, you know, and because I've license because i've trademarked most of my ip which stands for intellectual property i now can license it to you so i've actually licensed my curriculum through credit is king out to several universities
0: damn that's love too yeah you know that's crazy man man i gotta go ahead and read this and (laughs) those copies are for you thank you so So, much i really appreciate it and uh thank you guys for joining us on this video today thank you man i really appreciate it you know i know how valuable your time is and to y'all out there stay disciplined stay eyes on the prize forget the distractions keep going and man you taught me so much so thank you so much and you forgot one
1: important lesson you gotta let them know yes sir they gotta stay hustling man yes (laughs) sir
0: hey man i really appreciate it for calling that out you know and you know we were having that conversation You you gotta hustle you gotta keep hustling don't stop take those risks step by step you'll go ahead and get there just go ahead and put the distractions away, man. So I really appreciate you, man. Thank you, thank man. You, the thank pleasure you. was all mine. Thank you. So y'all have a good one. Peace. Hey, bro, I really appreciate you.